Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Success Mantra. Uh, so who are we meeting today? Kaise? Uh, Tesh, I, before we talk about this gentleman, uh, let's talk about some, uh, you know, people who are giving back to the uh, country, to the people, the society. <clears throat> and uh, the what we get a lot of learning from meeting these kind of people is uh, when you succeed in life, it is your duty to give it back to the society in some form or the other you know you can't you can't live in canada and just live for yourself because it's a immigrant country a lot of people come here you need to you know motivate them put them on the track and at the same time give them lessons that this is what you have to do when you get your success mm-hmm. right so today we have a very interesting gentleman i am personally very inspired by him me being an immigrant and uh, he's been like a businessman he's been an entrepreneur he's he's been a professor he's been a coach mentor he's an also an author and uh, he still does it he still does it you know he is he's, he's a real innovator he's also a social innovator and uh, you know why don't we hear from him and uh, let's get uh, mr yeah. peter miller and uh, So without further ado, welcome to the show, Mr. Peter Miller. Thank you. And based on what you were talking about, the name of our book was The uh, Give Back Economy, which relates exactly to what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about the book is the royalties go to a give back fund oh. that supports the activities that we're doing across Canada. Mm-hmm. So it started uh, with... setting up a community innovation hub at St. Andrew's United Church where we were able to provide free space, free coaching, free e-learning for small business, nonprofits and charities. And once a month the requirement was that those hubsters as I called them had to attend a 2-hour workshop and then they also had to attend a second uh round table discussion mm-hmm. where people bought a problem or an opportunity and the rest of the hubsters weighed in and provided suggestions and referrals fantastic to uh to help them so our game plan is to take that model into 300 locations across Canada in mosques synagogues temples parishes and churches wow wow i mean you know being a truly multicultural country that canada is it's so such an important thing uh, but peter we want uh, <clears throat> we just want to go back a little bit in your life and uh, you know you wore multiple hats from a very young age so we want to know a your you know this little story about your life so you know a lot of our podcast listeners we want them to be inspired to know a little bit of your background yeah How yeah you- i i'm a, i'm a canadian through and through um i have an mba i t- i spent 27 years with a large canadian bank and then i early retired and i started my first of six businesses and on a parallel basis i also got into teaching at seneca college 
and Centennial College, where I taught entrepreneurship and other courses. And I also taught MBA students through a college in New Jersey, and that was strategic management and global business. And then I got into doing workshops and coaching for unemployed people who wanted to start a business. And I also did a program called Summer Company, where high school, college, and university students get to start and run a business over the summer. And the province of Ontario provides a $3,000 grant, plus free coaching and free workshops. So it's been a fairly extensive uh, background, which has allowed me to work with 720 startups and existing businesses and work with over 2,000 business plans. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's that's so impressive. But at, when did you uh, think that, you know, like a lot of people when they work, when they're investment bankers or they have their own, then you get too caught up and involved in your own life. You know, you, you're doing pretty well and you want to be successful. But knowing your graph, at every stage, you are contributing and you did more and more. And, you know, and especially after you got to teaching, then you just sort of exploded. So when did you think or that I need to do something or maybe this is the where I need to? Well, after the teaching and running the businesses, about six years ago, I got involved with a lady who was running a social innovation challenge. And she asked if I'd like to be involved. And I said, absolutely. So we ran that challenge. We had 53 people who pitched an idea. And since then, we've run 22 of those across Canada. Mm -hmm. And that led to writing the book, The Give Back Economy, and to setting up the community innovation hubs. And we've added agrihood co-working space and maker space mm -hmm. and other programs to the community innovation hub and i do all of that on a volunteer basis mm -hmm. i don't take a salary and uh, i'm passionate about what i do and my payback is from the people that we help the social entrepreneurs yeah. and the businesses that believe in giving back. Corporate social responsibility is the term. Before you started uh, in, in this process of giving back to the society and the economy, you you said briefly said you started six businesses as well. Can Correct. we touch upon them so that our audience can learn a little bit what kind of those businesses were and how, how they helped you retire early and get back into? Well, I, I think uh, I'll just touch on the last one. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was called Learn Business. Okay. And it was an online simulation business for college and university students in various countries. Mm -hmm. And they got to plan and start this imaginary business on okay. an imaginary island. Okay. And so we connected with professors and high school teachers in various countries. And the students got to actually apply what they had learned in class. Mm -hmm. And that was a, a great experience. Now, one of the things we did that made us successful is we employed what we call a volunteer advisory board. Because with the two of us, we weren't much of a team. Mm -hmm. And I am adamant with small businesses that I work with 
that they have a team first and a plan second. Mm -hmm. So the advisory board is volunteers, and we had one with students, we had one with professors, and we had a business board. And we met once a month on Skype. I would now use Zoom. Mm -hmm. And we had one agenda item, and everybody weighed in with their ideas. And the benefits for us, we got free advice. We had credibility. Fantastic. And it just made a huge difference to what we're doing. But we provided benefits to them. Yes, absolutely. And that was that was what made the difference. That is thinking out of the box because uh, at this because the businesses typically is they do their research, but they do not want to involve too many people in the decision making process. And you must. Yeah. If if you try to do it by yourself. There's a 95% chance of failure. Mm -hmm. If you build your team, it goes the other way. Because you have a higher chance of success. Those people are stakeholders and everyone's brains, then, you know, there's a certain limit one can exactly. generate but, certain things. But how, but how, do you, how did you find in this quest of yours like-minded people? They don't have to be like-minded. They just have to have a skill or a knowledge in a particular area. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, who's, who's ready to contribute so to the in our vision. in our case, what we did is we went to our networks and we said, don't necessarily want you, but I want somebody who has this skill and experience. And so we got referrals that came from our network. Mm -hmm. That's And that made a difference. But the, the, the big benefit that we got was sales leads and referrals. So to give you an example, we let's say we had a, a new product. We'd come up with an e-flyer. We'd send it to our 15 advisors and ask them to forward it to their network. Mm -hmm. So yeah. at a minimum, we're talking 3,000 people. Wow. And this was in to. which year? Sorry. This is probably about seven Eight years ago. Seven, eight years ago. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, the concept I use with uh, small business, mm -hmm. anybody that I still coach, and I'm still coaching. I know. And, you know, it, it, that's so innovative, right? And it's, Yeah. I'm, yeah. I, was, I, I wanted to ask you the year because about seven, eight years, ten years ago, social media was very initial stages. And today, yes. people are doing stuff like that on social media as well. Yes. And... But you did it before. We did it before. But to give you an example of a, a guy who I think we're going to be very successful with, which is a really interesting story. Former First Nation chief who was in construction and development, and he lives in uh, Vancouver. And his thing is 3D printing of dome houses to go on reserves across Canada. And because I am mechanically challenged, I said, Ed, I can't help you with that. So what I'm going to add to the equation mm -hmm. is to build the community, the cultural, the linguistic, the economic, the education, the health side. So we put the two together, building houses and building community, and we call them smart villages. Mm -hmm. So that was a platform, actually. It's like a big hub platform you gave him for him and, to uh, but the, whole, the whole concept is to put there are 630 reserves across Canada yes. mm -hmm. 
and to uh, to build that dome houses. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, it takes takes two days. Okay, and they are built out of uh, which material? Uh, now you're asking somebody who's mechanical. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe no, some I mean, other time. It's it's got an innovation three D printing. Yeah, it is. But, yeah. but, but the cool part is we're we're using that with another project that I'm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's, in. and it's a very successful twist to that construction business. Well, what's interesting is on a reserve, it's normally an eleven-year waiting period mm -hmm. in order to get a house. Eleven years, so you got multiple families living in a house, small, area. until a new one becomes available in eleven mm -hmm. years. With the dome houses, we think we can save the government money and time. And build these in. So they, the dome houses. Sorry, I I don't know about it. But are they communal houses? So many families live in those dome houses. Well, in the existing houses, it's it's on a reserve. It's on a reserve. Yes, and that's where the eleven. So year, it's it's a First Nations only. Eleven, yes, First Nations, okay. and that's where the uh, eleven-year waiting list takes wow. place, which wow. is. Uh, Peter, I just want to touch upon one subject. Uh, we met people, we know people, you, they, they don't know themselves when the quest is going to end, when they'll think, hey, I've arrived. So that's why they don't get involved with the community, number one. Uh, number two, a uh, lot of people are still skeptical that if I have some good idea, somebody is going to steal and do it before me and take advantage. It doesn't work with you like that. You are like, I can't even call you an open book, you're an open ocean. You can well, come and dip from any side. When when people are starting a business, I take them back a step mm -hmm. and I say to them, what problem are you solving? And if they can't define that, if if they've come up with a solution, but they haven't defined the problem first, then they, they, they shouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. And the second step is once they've defined the problem and the parties that are impacted, then the next step is that solution and what the impact would be. And the third step is to validate that that solution meets the needs of the people and that somebody will pay for it. Mm -hmm. And if they can't go through those three steps, I recommend that they not go forward. So, but how do people come out and started, start giving back? So, because this is something which a lot of people have not able to crack it. Well, the, the, it's, it's this fancy term that I call corporate social responsibility. And the best way to demonstrate that is two very simple examples. I met a farmer from outside of Windsor, Ontario, and I said to him, do you do corporate social responsibility? And he said, oh, customer service. <laughs> I said, no. I said, do you do anything to give back to the community? Mm -hmm. He said, I buy shirts for the minor hockey team. Mm -hmm. I said, great. And what do you get back for that? He said, nothing. I said, wrong. You could go with a smartphone to the arena mm -hmm. and present those shirts, and somebody takes a video of it, and the students are thanking you for that contribution. You could take that video and you could put it on your homepage of your website, mm. send it out as a press release. Wow. And I said, second, what if you invited those hockey players and their families mm -hmm. to come to the farm for a half day? 
where they could see what you're doing. doing. You could build your brand name. You could get sales leads and referrals. And you take a video and you put it on the homepage and you put it on social media. It's a win-win for... Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Until it's a win-win, the other party will not be interested as well. So Right. So the second example was a guy running a restaurant. And I said to him, do you do CSR? Mm-hmm. And he said, well, my margins are very thin, so I can't really give back a lot. So I connected him with a Syrian family who had just moved here. And I said, would you be willing to give a meal for the family? Well, the Syrian family wanted to celebrate the father's birthday, Mm -hmm. and they didn't have the money to do that. So I connected the two of them. They had the dinner. And the father agreed to a video, homepage, press release, social media. (laughs) So it was truly giving back in a way that that... And you can grow, you can do more after that. Yes. Yes, yes. Well, see, it's not only small businesses. There are companies like Walmart Mm -hmm. that have a department of nine people Mm -hmm. that do corporate social responsibility that people aren't aware of. But and Walmart you, you, across you, the world, just nine people, yeah. CSR? No, just in Canada. In Canada. Just in Canada, okay. okay. Yeah. So, so I, you only know when they say you want to donate a dollar? So. Well, there's a variety of things that they do. For example, they uh, support the Red Cross. They're, oh. they're the biggest contributor to the Red Cross in Canada. Oh, wow. What they do is, and I, I train some of the Walmart employees at two locations, how to ask for a dollar. And that ended up to being $6.2 million across the country. Wow. <clears throat> and so they were a major They have sponsor. even, uh, uh, now they have those self-cash checkout counters. Yes. They have even put that option now on the automatic thing. It always asks us now, would you like to donate? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, imagine like a drop, every drop mm. contributes and it becomes like a big ocean. Yes. So, uh, uh, Peter, we want to, uh, you know, <clears throat> we want our listeners to learn about some of the key things you have done and how it benefited. You know. Well, I think the most important one is maybe the one that I'm working on right now. It's called the Homeless Entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And that's teaching homeless people how to start a business. That's a very interesting term, homeless entrepreneur. So, and yeah. it's... Interesting, it's creative, it's innovative, and it's far-thinking. You know, you don't know from the mind what kind of diamonds are going to come out. <laughs> well, I mean, what, what we found so far is a lot of those folks are very smart people. Some of them were lawyers, doctors, all kinds of things. Right. But due to a, something that happened that disrupted their lifestyle, yeah. they became homeless. Mm-hmm. So... I'm working with a guy in Spain who was from Minnesota, and he started over there, and he's in five cities over there with his homeless entrepreneur program. And then I also contacted a lady in Virginia, uh, Becky Blanton, who's written a book called The Homeless Entrepreneur. Wow. And what's interesting about her is she lived in her 1975 Chev station wagon with her dog and her cat in a Walmart parking lot. Wow. 
And she's so, written a book. And she wrote a book there. Oh, over the, no, no. Over 18 months, she was homeless. Three years later, she did a TED Talk in England mm-hmm. to billionaires and millionaires. And a lot of that information is on YouTube. If you go to TED Talks, you can find it. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yes. Yeah. And An- Andrew Funk, who's the guy in Spain, he has some uh, stuff on YouTube as well in terms of his interviews and presentations. But I've learned from them. I've learned from another organization in England, and I'm putting together that as a program mm-hmm. to bring to Canada to work with spiritual institutions to work with corporations and to work with governments to get people out of homeless and start a business. And we hope that, or we expect that several of them will hire some of the homeless people. But, you know, knowing you, Peter, I'm sure you're going to take that concept, you know, you're going to share it to bits, put together something larger than that, and we will see something more innovative and more... Uh, challenging and going forth, which can be blueprinted anywhere in the world, I'm sure. Yes. We'll do that. That's the idea, is to have the model. Yes. And to have ambassadors in different cities across the country replicate what we're going to do starting in Toronto. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you see, Tesh, to have a mind which is an entrepreneur, a banker, and a professor, and a social innovator, nothing can be normal. Mm-hmm. Normal will have a new definition, I'm telling you. <laughs> I, I think this is a fantastic project you're going to do, Peter. So, you know, <clears throat> we'll be watching and, you know, we'll be seeing how it goes. I read your profile as well. I know what you did in terms of helping people and your personal achievement as well. So let me ask you as Peter Miller, what is your, what, what's that do you follow a routine? Do you have a morning routine? How how do you keep yourself so active uh, throughout life? And what what is that big turn? How should I put it? What's the what's the success what's mantra? That, yeah, the what's success, success formula. mantra? What's formula that, that you follow to the T? Probably, or is there any success mantra like that? I have no no routine. You have no routine, and that's what makes it. Okay. So I mean, at times I can be working twenty four seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing that I do is I have a pad and a pen beside the bed because I have a, a very bad habit of waking up at 3 o'clock and 4 o'clock. Oh, here's an idea. Mm-hmm. And I got to write it down. Mm-hmm. And that's how the book came about. Okay. I realized that there wasn't a, a good book out there on on the topic that I was working on. I wrote it down. 8 o'clock, I get up. I sent an email to Self Council Press in British Columbia mm-hmm. and said, would you be interested in a book like this? Figuring, you know, there's no way I'm going to reply. Well, two days later, I get an email back. Our board loves the idea. Wow. Please send us the first two chapters. Mm-hmm. At which point I said, oh, shit. No, I do <laughs> And uh, I picked up the phone. I phoned my associate. And I said, congratulations, you are now co-author of a book on social enterprise. (laughs) She was not happy. (laughs) So we ended up writing four chapters each, Mm -hmm. and then she edited my bad work. (laughs) (laughs) So if you have an idea, put it down. It'll slip your mind. And write it. 
right away right and right you away, also oh i was i was thinking something very smart came i can't remember it now exactly yes listeners very important thing i think i'm going to start doing that and another thing right away he did not keep that thing to himself he shared it shared made her a co-author yes. as well yes. so she was a stakeholder also absolutely and brought her skills into the picture as well and because you know people get very it's mine i me myself yeah. i should i share they don't want to let go you know mm-hmm. they don't, you know it's like a you know it's like a tree though if you plant it and it'll grow it'll go and move well i'm very big on teamwork mm-hmm. uh ab- absolutely essential if you try to do it by yourself there's a 95% chance you're going to fail mm-hmm. if you put together that team it goes the other way around yes and that's what we did with that business that i mentioned where we set up the volunteer advisory board. Mm-hmm. So instead of two, we were 17 people now working wow. with a similar objective. Wow, mm-hmm. wow. That's 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 really inspiring. That's really inspiring. Tell us something more about the book Peter. It's it's available on Amazon. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So and tell us about the book. The book is kind of a how to. How do I start and grow a social enterprise? and it does a lot of what you do in a normal business you know there's marketing there's operations and and finance but there are certain things that are different for a social enterprise in particular the giving back part to the community or mm-hmm. whoever you're dealing with and we also have a section in on corporate social responsibility to encourage all organizations to give back So the community innovation hub that we set up any applicant must as part of what they do give back to the community. Now, another example of that is this uh, homeless entrepreneur program that we're working on. And what we're going to be asking those people that start a business is to give back 50% of their profits in the first 2 years to the organization. But a second step is they have to mentor two yeah. homeless entrepreneurs. Mhm. So is this some kind of contract you're going to make them sign? Yes. Yes. But my my associate who I work with, she runs an online e-learning program called mm-hmm. Small Business Solver. And because it's been around for about 6 years and she's been so successful at it, it's now on the basis of pay what you can. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. which is a real giving back to the community. So, you know, when this uh, give back thing, the various things you work, what what's your percentage of uh, not this coming up project, but your previous uh, all the innovative social innovation you have done and you have coached and mentored people where people have got successful, people have found a way. So, what's the success would all 100% they give back or the some of them No, some of them have been very successful financially. Hmm. and they've hired a number of people yeah. and that's that's very positive um and they've done the give back at the same time so that's that's rewarding for me to see that that is up so we use uh, a couple of measurement tools that aren't normally used there's what is called outputs and outcomes mm-hmm. now outputs means numbers Mm-hmm. how many units were sold how many dollars outcomes are what was the impact mm-hmm. 
of those things, say, six months after. So if somebody took a workshop today, did they go back to work and the material went into the blue box and they didn't do anything about it? That's measuring the outcome. So the outcome, to a degree, is more Mm -hmm. important than just the outputs. So, in other words, if 10 people took workshops and there were 14 workshops... It's 140. Yeah, yeah, that's 140 people. But, but did, you can did, they, grow. did they apply it? Yes, absolutely. It's like a like and, one pyramid and, system where you can keep growing your own community. That's right. So that's yeah. where outcomes measurement come in. Okay. We would interview or do surveys or focus groups to find out what was the impact six months after mm-hmm. they took that program. I'll just take a step back, uh, Peter. You know, Canada is a land of uh, immigrants. A lot of people like me have come here. Uh, and more people are coming. Some people are willingly coming, you know, and to settle down in Canada for a better life. Some people are coming as refugee status. Somebody like prosecuted minorities. All sorts of people are coming here. Well, I, lo- I live in Markham and I'm in the minority. <laughs> okay. No, no. But we, have, we have 45% Chinese and another 20% Sri Lankan, Indian and Pakistani. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, a lot of our listeners, are, you know, we want to inspire people. So how do we reach out to these uh, immigrants, you know? Either they are, you're like immigrant like me who's come willingly to settle down here or people who are coming, but they're here, right? They're going to be Canadians. How do we reach out? How do you reach out to them? And what are the things you tell them to do? Well, we do uh, keynote presentations mm-hmm. and we do present, regular presentations. Uh, we do webinars and we're going to be starting doing some podcasts in the very near future. Mm-hmm. So, and some of what we want to do is we want to do it on a multilingual basis, mm-hmm. not just English. Mm-hmm. Because in Ch- in Canada, China is probably the number one language. <laughs> <laughs> English is number two. Two. Yeah. Two. Some of the countries where immigrants are coming from, English is not as big uh, of a language there. So, yeah, they have to adapt to that uh, English speaking, or when, like you were doing in their own language. Or and that applies to the First Nation uh, community, mm-hmm. which. People don't really realize that a lot of them don't speak English. Yes, yes. Or if they do speak English, it's very poor. Very poor. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, and that's where I'm working with the guy in British Columbia, is retaining the language yeah, I, of the First Nation. I community. heard they're, they're losing their language because a lot of people are not speaking. Exactly. Yeah, CBC exactly. was doing a story as well uh, in Iklaket, that Iklawit. That yes. place, and yeah, so they are losing their local language there. So, so part of our building of the community is retention of the linguistic aspects. No, that's so important. <clears throat> you know, we've been to reserve a few times on holidays, and actually, mm-hmm. yes, that's right. They, they really struggle. Right. They really struggle. Basically, the kind, the kind of things you're doing, and the more innovative you're going to reach out to the mosques, synagogues, temples, parishes. So you'll actually connect with different kind of people, and that's how it's going to grow. Oh, yes. I, I mean, I was in a mosque outside of uh, Pickering, mm-hmm. and uh, the f- facility was a beautiful facility, and yet there was unused space. So what we're finding in these places is that they are using 20 to 30% of their space 
Now, the other problem that's happening in Canada is a third of those spiritual institutions are going to be closing in the next 10 years. Yeah, they couldn't sustain. Exactly. Yes, yes. the cost is high. So we have a program that shows how they can increase their revenue, mm -hmm. increase their number of parishioners, have some programs, have what we call community outreach, mm -hmm. where they get out of the church and they get into the community. And they do it both online and by physically getting into the community. Yes. I mean, you know, that's a fact. In this 21st century, if this religious institution are going to be only religious institutes, then they're going to die. It has to be a social innovation melting point, you know, mm -hmm. not only with your own people, but, you know, bringing other community to participate. Well, the mosque is a good example. I asked them, have you invited anybody from the Anglican Church or the Catholic Church to come to the mosque? And have you, the people from the mosque, gone to the Catholic Church or the United Church? Of course, the answer was no. Mm. So there's no multi-faith efforts to uh, yes absolutely that's so important you, know, you have to move from your own community and you know be multicultural be more integrating mm. exactly. i think you know i think in middle east dubai the pope was invited i think that was the first big step but, which but here, here's another example that was kind of cool it was a mennonite church just outside of london ontario yes and i went there and the lady who ran the facilities thing took me on a tour And I said, tell me how, how much this place is used. And she said, 20%. And then I look outside and I say, what about that space outside? Four acres of land. Wow. Totally unused. So agrihood, which is agricultural products and services and programs. I, I mean, my head was spinning what could have been done. In those four acres. In, in that four acres out there. And uh, so... Here's, here's the real topper. Along comes a former parishioner mm -hmm. and says, here's 15 million, I want you to build a new church. Wow. And then I went to United Church in Scarborough, mm -hmm. and uh, the, the people said, oh, we're really busy here. And I said, okay, this is the business guy. And say, <laughs> Show me. So we go into the first room, and the people said, well, Tuesday and Thursday, we have this group in from 7.30 to 8.30. Okay, what else? And they paused. <laughs> Wait, and what they else? realized yeah. that mm -hmm. they weren't using it. Mm -hmm. So then where it really gets fun is we go downstairs, and I did a double take, and I said, that looks like a three-lane bowling alley. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I said, how often is that used? One hour a month. Wow. Wow. So... I said, why not use it for a youth program mm -hmm. that could incorporate, you know, a, a fun activity yes. as well as learning, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Why not have a senior program that mm -hmm. could do the same thing? So slowly, people are starting to learn. Yeah, also understand the concept. That, yeah. that the spiritual institution, which goes back 100, 200 years, mm -hmm. is and should be a gathering place for the community. community yes. And that a lot of interesting activity can, can take place. place. It's good seven for the society. Days, yeah. Seven days a week. Yeah. It's not just a, a marry and bury them yeah, <laughs> yeah. place <laughs> on, on Saturday and Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, unfortunately, that's what it has become on certain... Yeah. So in this, uh, Peter, your whole life and your... 
How how does your family fit in? How do they support you? My wife can't she's, understand what I'm doing. She's given up. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, she has Parkinson's, so she's got some challenges or something. Mm-hmm. But uh no, she's fully supportive of what I'm doing. She just doesn't understand it. Mm-hmm. What about your children? My my kids aren't very close to where we live. Uh and every time I tell them something they say, "Wow, that's very exciting." Mm-hmm. Do they contribute in your uh... No, no, they, they my daughter's got three kids. She's a grade 3 teacher and my oldest son is a cybersecurity expert. Wow. So they they've got their hands full. Mm-hmm. So if you have to tell about to your viewers what they need to do, how can they do it, you know, what would you tell them? You know, because it's slightly difficult. You you've been a man who's got such a vast experience. You've been to different field. but a lot of people they've just like you know one track mind they've been going on chugging along the same track so you know well i i think they have to start with an hour a month and if they can find something where they can learn something i think it's important and have fun those are my two criteria to get involved in something and if they can learn and, and then because the benefit to them is they're going to meet other people they're going to create some friendships they're going to learn something if if they do that mm-hmm. they're going to get recognized for their contribution mm-hmm. and so it's it's really a win win it it can they can put stuff on their resume they can look good with their bosses and you know the social enterprise can be done within a company so social intrapreneurship Mm-hmm. where people can start those operations within a company. and get people in the habit of doing it you know yes, them also exactly. big corporation can play a big role perfect so um i'm sure you are in in all these things you're very busy across the day but do you get some time to unwind yourself what do you do uh, to unwind or are you focused all the time on all these uh, uh, i'm pretty focused on this i i do uh, go to our facility for workout and swim Okay. And uh tonight we're going out for dinner to this place. Mhm. And okay. uh going to have some fun there. Mhm. So but, uh, but my my background was heavily in sports. Okay. And uh way way back. <laughs> way way back. I was vice chairman for track and field officials for Canada. Okay. And I was given the assignment of putting together the officials for the 1976 Olympics in Montreal. Wow. And then uh so I was at the starting line of every track event. So recently I've done the uh, Invictus Games. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh You also involved with the the Pan Am Pan Am Games? Pan Am Games. Tell us something about that, yes. The uh oh this is one that you've never heard of. The World Dwarf Games. Okay. Really? <laughs> that was in Guelph. Okay. Wow, seriously? Yes. I've never heard of it. No. And there were people from 52 countries and it's held every 4 years. Oh, really? And wow. uh, it was a pretty cool event. Yeah. Must yes, be. See, when you're a social innovator, you really go Yeah. You take a two extra step, not one. And you know one of the great thing about Peter in all this serious work he has got such a fantastic sense of humor you don't know when he switches to his <laughs> funny one liners 
which I'm like, oh, sir, Lord, what I'm doing? What? And I think, oh, he's he's pulling a fast one. So tell us, Peter, what's the thing you do differently than the others? It's very difficult to replicate. Get another Peter Villa. I think it's finding projects or activities where I can learn and have fun and be passionate about. You still learning? Oh, absolutely. Never stop. Never stop. So, for example, I, I live in a gated community. Our mm-hmm. security guard, uh, I saw her one day and I said, do you have an idea for starting a business? Security guard. Mm-hmm. And she said, yes, I do. And I said, well, tell me about it. Well, it's running and hiking and bicycling to support research for diabetes. Wow. And, and you just never know until you talk to people. Exactly. What, what their interests and enthusiasm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've now developed her a, a, a draft little business plan mm-hmm. to show her how she can raise money mm-hmm. to send people mm-hmm. to events nationally and internationally and support five kids with diabetes at camps. That's why, you know, Tesh, you need people like Peter in your life. Yeah. Because they think out of the box and they think very selflessly and... Uh, as he's written the book, Giving Back Economy, he's actually giving back to the community. He, you know, the number of people, I I'm sure even he doesn't remember he's helped. And he continues to do so. And what has really inspired me also that <clears throat> he still says, I'm a learner. Mm-hmm. I'm a learner. A lot of people, I will, sometimes I, in my field, I think I, have, I, know, I know it all. But And the know. unique uh, learning out of that experience is that people who are giving back are actually not losing anything from their own pocket or, you know, anything on, of their time. They are also making it up, but they are contributing to the society as well. Exactly. So that's how... That's how Peter said, it's always a win-win. You're never going to lose. You're yeah. never going to lose, but your community is going to grow and that's going to really help the society. Mm-hmm. So I urge... And, and, and yes. I, want you, I want you to think about one more thing that yes, people yes. don't think about, is thinking inside the box... It's always a, a, a Windows trainer said to me, told me about that, and I thought about that for a bit. And then I said, you know, he's right. Start with the resources that you've got inside. Yes, yeah. The processes, the resources, the people that you already have. So think inside the box what you could better mm-hmm. do with those things inside the box. Makes sense, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, all to all the listeners, I would say, hear Peter speaking two times, three times, four times, because in one shot, you will miss out many things. Understand the finer points he said. And again, he, he opened up everything. He's given you all the formulas where you can be successful. The people around can be successful. Each one can benefit from the other. And that's how the community should grow. Also, before we let you go, Peter, if, if our audience uh, wants to connect with you, how can they uh, reach out to you? Uh, the best way is peter at communityinnovationhub.org. One word, communityinnovationhub.org. Dot org. Dot org. Don't go to dot com. And I'm very open to uh, assisting anybody who is enthusiastic and willing to give back to the community. Amazing. Yeah, so that's your opportunity. Uh, reach out to Peter if you have an idea and remember one thing when you come and meet Peter or connect with him if you have a little bit of selfishness in you take it out because I think that's one thing he doesn't like (laughs) 
know so it's so pleasure lovely talking to you peter it's always inspiring i mean i've met him few times and he just you uh, <laughs> made me come on time <laughs> <laughs> so you know the you, you actually see positive changes in people absolutely so uh, same here a pleasure meeting you peter um, any parting words of advice to our audience if you want to to the budding entrepreneurs probably to the new immigrants how do they be successful in their life i think they have to uh, build a team build a plan execute a plan and uh, start with the problem first not the solution that's a very good advice perfect yeah. so all my friends listening to peter uh, don't forget if you want to learn read his book it's available on amazon giving back economy and uh, i think uh, that's about it for today yeah. probably yes. uh, we'll see you again with some another great personality yeah, on the so next we'll episode yeah inspire you more and uh, you know subscribe and wait for a new episode to come in and listen to peter miller speaking with tesh and kese till next success mantra or ever goodbye and it's never a goodbye it's we see you again we see meet you, you again you yep. hear us again <laughs>